Free Your Inner Guru is a listener-supported show. Supporting the podcast is also designed to support you by keeping the episodes free of ads, but also with rewards for your donation like the Free Your Inner Guru guidebook, a private listener forum, and live monthly Q&A sessions. To become a supporting member, you can visit patreon.com forward slash free your inner guru. Welcome to Free Your Inner Guru. I'm your host, Laura Tucker. I'm very excited to release today's episode, an interview with Mark Lesser. I'll give you a little bit of a backstory. First, you might notice that the audio is different if you've been a longtime listener of the of the podcast. I'm recording this podcast from England, overseas, staying with family, and I'll post a, a glamour shot of where I'm recording and uh, it's funny podcasting can be the opposite of glamour but uh, but I'm away from the home office with the big microphone and all of that but uh, the interview just to assure you because I know high quality audio is very important the interview was recorded some time ago from the confines of my office but anyways I'm looking back on my preparation for this interview with Mark Lesser he has been a CEO of a number of companies he has worked with Google he spent 10 years in a Zen monastery Mark is extremely accomplished and uh, truth be told I was nervous before our conversation and uh, and I do get nervous sometimes because you know you're going in and I want to create a quality experience for you the listener but uh, also for the guest and uh, it turns out Mark is the most unassuming um gentle kind intelligent compassionate human being um and it was just a joy to have this time with him I'll give you a little bit of his background and then we'll roll into the episode So Mark currently is a speaker. He leads workshops on mindfulness that are based on the book, Seven Practices of a Mindful Leader. Subtitle of that is Lessons from Google and a Zen Monastery Kitchen. And during our conversation, we get right into the title and how and why it it became what it is. And uh, it's one of the uh, humorous moments of this conversation. And uh, he's known for his engaging experiential presentations that integrate mindfulness and emotional intelligence practices and training. He's the author of four books, and he's currently the CEO of uh, ZBA, or if you're American, ZBA Associates, an executive development and leadership consulting company. He helped develop the world-renowned Search Inside Yourself leadership program within Google, and that's a mindfulness-based emotional intelligence training for leaders and it teaches the art of integrating mindfulness emotional intelligence and business savvy for creating great corporate cultures and a better world he founded and was ceo of three companies he's got an mba degree from new york university he was a resident of the san francisco zen center for 10 years and director of tasahara zen mountain center the first zen monastery in the western world I know you're going to love this conversation. Mark is super interesting, super kind, and I just can't say super enough, apparently. So enjoy this episode, and I would love to hear your um, your feedback, either in the form of reviews on our new Free Your Inner Guru dedicated 
Facebook page, on iTunes, and you can always follow the links back from the episode to the website where there's lots of room and space for comments. And I really do love and crave that engagement with the audience of this podcast. So on that note, let's jump right in and I'll introduce you to Mark Lesser. So Mark, it's a pleasure to meet you. Welcome to the Free Your Inner Guru podcast. Thanks, Laura. Good to meet you too. Um, your book, Seven Practices of a Mindful Leader, comes from your vast experience. You've, you've had a, a lot of different environments that you've been able to work with people on leadership, everything from a Zen monastery into the corporate world with Google. Can you share um, some of your story and what that journey was like for you? You know, it's interesting that um, just responding to that, I've, I actually feel like um, the vast majority of my leadership experience has been in the world in between the Google and the Zen monastery. Uh, it's been uh, wearing the CEO hat of a few different organizations. How did you come into leadership as your thing? It's such a, yeah. it's such a hot um, topic these days. And I, I'd love to try to situate our conversation, you know, in our current leadership climate. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, oddly enough, uh, my, the way I came into it was through the, you know, the spiritual door, through the contemplative door. Um, I found myself as a, as a young a young Zen student um, being in charge of a Zen monastery kitchen was really, I felt like my first real sort of deep dive into, into leadership. Uh, noticing that my, my job was to um, set a tone, create culture. You know, this was in a, this was a, a kitchen that, um, you know, in the summertime might have 15 people, might even have 20 people. And, and there was, uh, it was a stressful, high pressured environment. It wasn't, you know, the, what people might think of as a Zen. It was, it was within, you know, in, in the bowels of the Zen monastery, but um, there were high expectations of producing really good quality, beautiful, um, healthy food for uh, 70 or 80 overnight guests in, in the summertime who came to Tassajara partly because of the reputation of, of its, um, of its culin culinary delights. Um, so uh, I learned a lot. I learned I, that was, that was real, um, a real potent experience. And then uh, two years later, I found myself as the director of the Zen Center Monastery of Tassajara Monastery. And that was that was even kind of higher stakes, kind of overseeing, uh, you know, the the entire operation and being responsible for the overall culture as well as budgets and people and and all of that. And and I um, I was surprised to find myself in those roles. I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. That it was something very. Uh, I, I loved the challenge of leading and managing and how much I learned about myself and, and the constant. Um, uh, I learned a lot about, you know, apologizing for, uh, you know, from hurting other people's feelings to not meeting their expectations to not meeting my own expectations, but saw the potency 
of of that role and and also uh interesting in the midst of kind of mindfulness practice spiritual practice and i i wondered why isn't everyone integrating these practices it made so much it made so much sense to me and and I, and somehow i decided this was the path that i wanted to take my life and i felt like i i needed more training in the business side of things and went right from my time at the Zen Center to get an MBA degree at New York University. And then I ended up starting and running a publishing company that I ran for 15 years. And I mean, I imagine when you, you entered the monastery as that young man, you had no idea what would lay out in front of you there. No, not at all. I mean, I was, um, uh, I think of myself as being, I was young, I was naive. I was just super um, excited about the opportunity to, uh, to practice um, mindfulness, to practice Zen in this case, to live in community with, with like-minded people. Um, I had no idea that work was going to be, work and leadership was going to be such a major part of my my training and my path. Um, before we dive into some of the, the seven practices, how do you see um, in today's world the importance of this work? And I'm asking, actually, this is, I'm asking this for me <laughs> in terms of sometimes I feel discouraged in, in terms of what we see as the prominent and literally dominant style of leadership and the messaging around success. And I sometimes, you know, will have my head in my hands thinking like, does it really matter? And then I pick up a book like yours and, and I read somebody else writing down, you know, writing things like, you know, this is the responsibility of the leader is to com create community and connection and that there's, this is the most important thing right now. And so I'm, I'm curious about how you've seen things shift or have they shift or is it shifted or is it just a, a bigger expression of what was always there in Dominic's success in political culture? <laughs> uh, it's such a, there's so many different ways I could go with uh, responding to that, but I'll, I'll go with something that will, that will um, perhaps date this interview, but maybe in a good way. Uh, yesterday, I watched the Bob Mueller interview for a couple of hours as he was in Washington, D.C., in front of members of Congress. And, um, you know, he was so much, you know, not the way, you know, he, he was very low-key, uh, tremendous, um, you know, not a showman, the opposite of a showman, uh, tremendous humility. My favorite moment in that interview was when um, his he was being attacked for being um, being biased and hiring biased people, and and that's when he he could see he had it, and he he looked he looked he's looking around and he said, "I've been doing this work for more than twenty five years, and I've never once in anyone that I've hired looked asked people about their political views. I hire people because of their." their skills and competency. And most of all, I hire people for, and then he, he, it's almost like he said, 
integrity. And he he said this word integrity, and 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 they as the camera went around, you know, Congress, I thought half of the people were gonna break, you know, or or kind of melt or something, and that he was kind of uh providing a word and a a basis for leadership that can be forgotten, which is that uh, leadership is essentially about integrity. And by integrity, I think that means, you know, uh, being an integrated human being, uh, integrating, you know, a vision, sense of urgency with heart, with honesty, uh, with morals and all, all those things. So, um, so, you know, in terms of what you're saying that, yes, if you're, it's hard not to be discouraged if you're paying attention. Um, I, again, something I, I, I often quote uh, Wendell Berry in moments like this, you know, his quote that, you know, be joyful though you've considered all the facts. And, and. Oh, that's lovely. So there's something to me about like facing the reality and seeing, you know, there's so much to be discouraged about. But there's also, I think, so much to be in, encouraged about about as well, and and um, you know, yeah, this this kind of if we keep coming back to this question around uh, integrity and what does it mean, and I think we all, I think in some way, there's a real longing and need and connection that we we have with integrity, and it's so easy to. Um, uh, you know, if anything, the uh, leadership where a lot of the leadership we're seeing now is almost like the opposite of integrity. And you can see it can have results. And in fact, it can, it can whip people up. Uh, um, but I think it's, I don't think it's sustainable. I don't think it's sustainable. And I think it's, da- I think leadership without integrity is damaging um, to human beings and to and I think we're seeing to our planet. At the same time as we're seeing this, we're also seeing more and more people turn towards or be open to um, mindfulness. Yes. And this is where the integration of um, you know of having read your book and you know just to bring the listeners in, like knowing that you've been at this for been at this for decades. Um, mindfulness and, and leadership. So it's not something that you've just put on the mantle now. Um, but more and more people are gravitating towards it. And I'm finding it was inevitable in my own practice and in my own coaching and speaking that I, I bring in mindfulness, even when people are resistant to it, I'm finding more and more they're um, willing to try. And it might be because they feel like they might be losing it or getting lost in the, in the, you know, in the energy or, or in the dynamics around, and we need to come back to something. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, we come back to ourselves um, first, which is something that's been interesting to integrate. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think we all want to be uh, fully engaged, uh, connected, you know, it's not like we want to be uh, stressed and running around like crazy, or um, you know, chasing after that next that next win or dollar. And and you know, we we all um, you know we all I think want 
we want a sense of, of, of freedom, a sense of possibility, uh, meaning we want, I think we want a, se- a sense of, um, doing, doing work, doing work that matters. Um, this is, I think, you know, it's interesting. I was saying, um, you know, I've, I kind of identify myself as a social entrepreneur. I'm, I'm an entrepreneur in the sense that I like creating things. I like starting things. I've started a few different companies and by social entrepreneur, um, it, I, I think business as a force for solving real problems and doing things, um, that matter. And I find whether I'm, um, uh, in Google or, or any large company, the, the world is now many, many people are identifying as social entrepreneurs, which I think is a really, really interesting trend that we're, that we're seeing, uh, that, that even though what gets, what gets the headlines are the, you know, the awful, you know, uh, out of integrity things that are, that people are doing at high, at many high levels. Underneath that, I think there's this enormous movement, enormous movement that we're seeing toward um, a kind of, you know, social entrepreneurship, leading with integrity. Um, again, it's funny. I notice I I even have some hesitation about using the mindfulness word because it I think it it means so many different things to people and and it evokes so many different um, ideas. But but again, I you know. Uh, my book, seven. I'm holding up the book to say, well, yeah. it's called seven practices of a mindful leader. My publisher made me do it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like Mark, you need to bring this forward. Yeah. You know, I, I actually, it's funny that in truth, this book uh, had many different titles before this title that didn't have the word mindfulness in it. And, it was so funny. Uh, it's one of the things I love about writing and book projects is the, uh, I tend to, I, I love, I, I like to assemble a team. It's part of my, people ask me, how do you, how do you manage to write books? And one is that I can't do it alone. Um, I assemble a team. I listen to them. I make promises. And, uh, I, I actually, um, you know, I had just left my role as being the CEO of the Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute, and I finished a book, the book, and I went off on a three-month retreat at at back to my roots, back to Tassajara Zen Mountain Center, and and um, uh, and the only call that I made in three months during that retreat, other than to my family, was to my publisher. Uh, just checking in to make sure that everything was okay. And in fact, I, I'm not even going to tell you what the previous title was. <laughs> Actually, I, I mean, I think uh, I think one of the titles it, it's the book started with. It was called "Reframing Your Life." Um, ah. And um, anyhow, that call with the publisher. I was just making sure everything was good with the manuscript, and they said, "No, like we've we've been meeting and talking and." we want this book to be called seven practices of a mindful leader. And, uh, and I blurted out, you know, I was, I was actually a little kind of like kind of grumpy about it. And, and I said, and I suppose you want the subtitle to be lessons from Google and a Zen monastery kitchen. And you're like, yes, exactly. I said, I was just kidding. 
(laughs) (laughs) I think it's great because, I mean, somebody has to say it. So why not you? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And, and in some way, I think partly part of my, um, um, you know, my mission in life and, and why not bring it out in my writing is to, uh, to ground mindfulness, to, to show that, you know, what it, what I think the, the depth of it, the breadth of it, um, as well as to take them, you know, on the one hand to uh, demystify it and the other hand to completely show the mystery of it both. So to, um, to talk about uh, mindfulness practice, uh, to make it accessible without losing its depth and, and without losing its roots is, is I feel like part of my own life mission. And, and the more, the more I talk to, um, to people like you and, uh, and a couple of episodes or probably a few episodes by the time this is released, um, Mark Coleman, the more I go down this path and I was, I consider myself fortunate. I was introduced to mindfulness, um, over 10 years ago now. And it really was, um, it had such a practical application in my life. It allowed me to function entirely differently. And so it had become just like realizing that, um, that I'm, although not embracing having been brought up as a, a Catholic in my family, a deeply spiritual person, the two went hand in hand with me. But as meditation um, and mindfulness have been brought into the popular culture, they can become diluted or there's this, I find a lot of people feel like they're just doing it wrong and they, they, they're, they're hard on themselves for having a busy mind and then they stop and, and it becomes one more thing to pile on as far as, far as this is where I'm you know, insufficient or not good enough. And, um, and, and so as people go through this book, um, it's very, very practical. And it starts with, you know, loving the work or love the work and doing the work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that we, this is a really great opportunity to get into what is the work? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, simply stated, the, the work is the work of uh, self-awareness and helping others. Um, and this is, this is the work, you know, and, and, um, and there's, and again, then I, I I think kind of opening up this, you know, self-awareness is a very more accessible. It's a, it's a, um, language that comes from emotional intelligence or language that's been around for thousands, for thousands of years in, in the Western culture. So it's interesting, this marrying, this kind of idea from Western culture about self-awareness with more Eastern culture, the word mindfulness mm. and um, tremendous. Again, these are, you know, it's, it's essentially the, I think of it as um, knowing, knowing yourself and going beyond yourself. Right. So again, it's this, um, uh, beautiful, beautiful teaching. You know, again, I think this, these are teachings from Eastern and Western spirituality. And, and also I think these more and more are teachings of leadership, you know, that, that, uh, that leadership, it, the, the essential quality is, is self-awareness and, 
an essential quality of self-awareness is mentoring others, coaching others, listening to others. Uh, in fact, this was one of the, the core findings of this kind of year-long study that, that Google did called Google Oxygen, where they, they wanted to know what are the core qualities of great leadership. And their, and their assumption was, which is great, I love this about Google, their assumption was that leadership doesn't matter. Uh, you know, that, that what matters is engineering and products. Ah. And, and they really, that, was their, that, was, that was their bias that they went into it with. And yet, uh, after collecting data, they discovered that actually leadership does matter. And what matters most are those three qualities. Uh, mentoring, coaching, and listening. And again, I think that the, uh, the connection with those and uh, knowing, you know, loving, loving the work. So it's loving the work of self-awareness. And then you refer to the, uh, the second practice of actually doing the work, right? That it's not just reading about it or daydreaming about, about this stuff, that um, we actually have to have some kind of a practice. Um, you know, to something, Laura, that was coming up for me as you were talking was, um, I think, I think so much of what's challenging for people in this whole realm. And you were, you were taught, you mentioned like it so easily gets watered down and I think it gets watered down. Well, for many reasons, but one people leave out, um, practicing with community and they often leave out the importance of having a teacher or a coach or a mentor, like working, working with someone. Uh, I think there's great, um, you know, wisdom to the, uh, you know, the, it's a, it's a, it's a Buddhist framework, right. Of, right. That there's the teacher, there's the teaching and there's the community. Uh, and I think, um, somehow in today's world, we think, oh, you know, uh, who needs a teacher and who needs a community, and 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 um, I'm I'm more and more of upfront that um, so many people who want to have a, a meditation a daily meditation practice struggle with it, and my uh, my response is try sitting with others. Uh, I don't think meditation was ever meant to be an individual sport. Oh uh, wow! It was really meant to be a group sport, and. Um, um, and of course, you know, uh, many of us don't have any choice but to, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, I, um, I sit by myself daily, but once a week, I sit with a group. Uh, I, I sit with a group here in my hometown in, in Mill Valley, and it is a qualitatively different experience. And in some way, I think even sitting once a week with others can inform uh, one's daily, daily practice. Do you think that we, that have, has fallen away or gets dropped because this is more of a statement than a question, I think, because in Western culture, we are um, groomed to be that lone wolf, that success is that, you know, rising to the top yourself and individual um, pursuit, individual reward. Yeah. It never would have occurred to me, you know, unless I hadn't discovered meditation within a group setting. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, people are often 
surprised when I when I share that um, for the first 10 years of my meditation practice, I don't think I ever sat with less than 50 people. And, and there was something so odd about this sitting alone. And, um, and in some way, the part of the potency of group practice, and you can really, you can really see it, you know, you really see it if you do, you know, uh, I could never do like, you know, a one day or seven day meditation retreat. You don't, you couldn't do it by yourself. It's the, it's the power and, and energy of doing it with others. And then you get to see, you get to experience that a big part of the practice is that you're, you're not just sitting for yourself. You're actually sitting in part to encourage others that your, your intention, your effort is encouraging to others and that you are, you are literally being supported and encouraged by, by others. And that this idea of um, knowing yourself and going beyond yourself shifts from an idea into an experience. Mm. And I think this is, again, and I think this is a big part of, you know, mindfulness practice in general. You know, for example, it's easy to say, right, life is short, right? You should live as though your life is short. Everyone would say, oh, yeah, that's, you know, I've got that greeting card. But um, how do you, how do you live it? How do you bring that, that sense of that life is short into your, how you live your life? And, um, and again, I think this is, you know, um, in part, meditation practice, mindfulness practice is, uh, it's a way of being practice. It's a way, it's a practice of embodying uh, what we, what, what I think we know, you know, this knowing ourselves, going beyond ourselves, life is short, connection, meaning, and, and bringing it into our, uh, our experience, our day-to-day experience. And that, that's a, another way to look at that word integration about bringing it into, you know, it's a, it's a integrating parts of yourself, but integrating it into your community and, and your day-to-day experience. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, I, I've also been, um, funny, I've been, um, I had, I do a, you know, I, my group met last night, my Wednesday night Mill Valley Zen meditation group. And, and I've been um, talking about the work of Joseph Campbell and the, the hero's journey. And, um, and, and, and at the basis of his work, or one of the things at the base of his work is how, how we humans have become separate from nature and therefore kind of separate from ourselves. So when we talk about self-awareness, you know, again, it's easy to, you know, we have a lot, we, we, we have these ideas and we, I think we take, we take those words like self-awareness or mindfulness. So we put them into little boxes and, oh yeah, got check, got that. But what I love about uh, this model of um, the hero's journey or the heroine's journey, someone brought up last night when 
wait a minute, this is very male oriented. So yeah, it, it is. But, but I think there, I think it has its, I think it's just as relevant. I a hundred percent agree. So you're in a hero's journey, friendly environment right here. It, it, so. it may be, it, the language may be different. The symbols may be different, but I think it's the human journey of the return to ourselves, the return to integrity, the return to no separation between the natural world and the, that, that we are nature and, and that we have this, this great um, ability and curse uh, to be able to see ourselves as separate from it. And this is part of um, this sense of returning, you know, returning to the source. And, and, and again, I think this, this also is um, you know, about leadership and, um, Star Wars was based on, on uh, in fact, someone, someone asked me last night, they said, gee, the hero's journey seems, it seems so much about the self. What about helping others? And my response was, the hero's journey is that you, uh, you develop yourself so you can save the world. Uh, Star Wars and the journey is about saving the world, but that you need to find yourself, and then you need to find the source, you know, or the force. <laughs> May the source be with you. May the force be with you for saving the world. And part of, part of uh, this, was, uh, this is such a wonderful opportunity to be able to hold this conversation. Um, part of the hero's journey, because this is something that I had to look at very closely in looking at my own, my own life and some of the things that have happened as, as trying to find a framework for, you know, for feeling a call to something. And part of that hero's journey is, is facing tremendous challenge of some kind, refusing the call. And, and then after going out into the wilderness, coming back like the knights of old to the community and their job when they were older was to teach based on their lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's so valuable, especially for when people feel like they are in challenge, that there's something, there's a, um, a jewel there to be discovered. If only we'll be open to it. I I would also, uh, Laura, again, just to play here in this territory for a bit more, uh, I think that you could look at, um, each period of meditation as the hero's journey, right? That you... You know, you, you start with some call, like, why would you do this? You have, you have some, some call. And then it's not unusual to, to the next um, process is get me out of here. Uh, you know, like, why am I, it's so nice out, or I have so many things to do or look. So there is that, that refusing the call. And then there's off and then there's moving on to, maybe feeling the support of others or that I'm doing, I, I'm doing this in a way to, for my, my relationship life, or I'm feeling the support of others. And, and then, you know, and then there's the various um, battles, which might be sleep or thinking mind or strong feelings or any, any kind of, um, any number of uh, battles. And then, um, yeah. And within that, finding finding one's finding one's power and and path, and then every time we sit, we have to. How do we integrate that? How do we find our way back 
to our our lives and and then there's this beautiful uh, returning returning to the marketplace returning to the the ordinary so starting and ending with the ordinary world and um, the Zen um, uh, Zen practice summarizes this in in three lines you know they Zen talks about um, you know says uh, mountains are mountains when we start the practice and then mountains are not mountains is like the, some transformation. And then the third line is mountains are mountains, but of course they've been transformed, but it's this ordinary sense. So it's the, uh, the, the hero's journey in three lines. Uh, I like the simplicity of Zen practice. <laughs> <laughs> the brevity and the depth at the same time. Yes. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, how somebody who's listening and and wants to deepen their practice or wants to begin a practice um where can we jump in and recognize opportunities or signals that we need to be more mindful and and make it a priority um yeah i think um i think it's just turning turning oneself over to paying attention and and actually noticing um, noticing what your experience is and and I think you know for some people that can be that can be um, uh, through writing you know through through the the act of writing can help unpack um, experience uh, sometimes it's through um, Having conversations with again, whether it's with a a coach or a Zen teacher or a therapist or just like there's something about uh, using one's expressing one's words and being in dialogue with another person or with a with a small group. Um, reading, like actually entering, I think of reading as a great way of entering the the minds of others. So uh, reading books, you know, whether it's like mine or Mark Coleman's or, you know, the, um, uh, I, I find, um, I go back every year and, and reread um, Herman Hesse's Siddhartha as a, as, as one of my, um, you know, and again, what's beautiful is that um, it's everywhere. You, you know, once, once you enter this, this, this uh, practice of, uh, being curious about your experience and the experience of others, um, everything is a learning experience. And you certainly, I mean, again, this was one of the real big ones for me in being in a leadership role was paying attention to how my how my words and actions and presence influenced others, and 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 being really curious about. Um, when when we were working well as a team and when we weren't uh, when when people were feeling in connection with me and when they weren't and and having and being being um this beautiful aspiration toward um uh in leadership of being uh transparent and at the same time uh, you know, uh, driving a vision and working, working with change and being someone who people felt they could, they could rely on. So 
I, I think of um, you know leadership and relationships and family. These are the advanced practices. You know, um, um, the I think um, <laughs> yeah. when other people are involved. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and and again, I think this is one of the things that was tremendously um, satisfying and wonderful about the many years that I spent living in community. Again, that was that was not, it, you know, just like leadership and community were not things I thought I, I was just. I just wanted to sit meditation. I just thought I was going to practice meditation when I, uh, you know, started sitting at the Zen Center. But then I found myself living in community with other people and then i found myself working and lead and leading people was like oh this is um this is the real this is practice practice is um you know uh how we how we uh, practice with with others um in our in our lives and in our work in in your book it's bringing to mind you describe practice as beneficial because one, you you improve your skills, and and two, you integrate the the mindfulness aspect of it, because it's constantly being tested in some way. Yeah, and and um, maybe to go back to the the second practice of do the work, I kind of talk about kind of what I frame as two big buckets of practice: the kind of dedicated practice and integrated practice, and. And again, these things go back and forth, but but there is something about actually having that time when we can step out of our of the the demands of our lives and just just sit, just write, just um, there is, I think, something very potent hap- that happens in this mind, body, heart when we uh, have that. I think there's something quite profound about you know. Uh, meditation practice uh and then there's the integrated practice of okay now how do we bring that how do we bring that into our lives and then of course it's then we bring that our integrated practice into when we sit down our whole our whole life is is there to be uh, noticed experienced processed um, and let go of in some way one of the things that seemed counterintuitive to me at first was um, was a third practice of don't be an expert. Given that this is, you know, we know now because you've shared that it wasn't always going to be titled for leaders, but but in a leadership practice or um, interesting, I just said leadership practice. So leadership is a practice, apparently. But this idea of having the the beginner mind and openness and curiosity versus, you know, the 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 know it all leader. Well, interesting that these practices emerged out of training a group of Google engineers how to be mindfulness teachers. So, um, so one of the core, right? So, core. Uh, values practices right if you want to be a mindfulness teacher and it's i think the same applies to practicing mindfulness loving the work doing the work and then letting go of any idea of being being an expert that when it comes to uh, when it comes to relationships when it comes to self-awareness and i would say when it comes to leadership right 
um, good luck with anybody who thinks they're going to, um, you know, be an, be an expert in these things, uh, partly because of, um, you know, the, the vast mysteriousness of human beings and the fact that everything is always changing, right? If you, you know, you might have it, you might have it figured out and clarity in this moment. And, and now there's this moment, you know? So, <laughs> uh, so I think it's a, it's just a, um, uh, a critical practice, this, this practice of, um, uh, of curiosity. Now, you know, again, I, I, I think, of course I want, you know, I, I want my, you know, whether it's my surgeon or my dentist or my car mechanic, I want them to be, you know, as expert as possible. And just like, you know, so it's not, in, in, we can, we can strive. It's not about, we can strive for expertise. We can strive to be um, great surgeons or um, leaders. Um, and it's paradoxical in the sense that um, part of, part of being expert is, um, is, is realizing how important it is to, to let go and, and to be curious and to not know. And even, you know, even for a surgeon or a car mechanic, it's like sometimes things will present themselves that you've never seen before. And this is a good time to not rely on what you know, but to have a flexible, open mind in, in, those, in those instances. Right, because the consequences of imposing the solution yeah. that you're attached to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit like I think of a, um, a, uh, a friend of mine who's a, who's a doctor uh, wrote a book about um, uh, when he was training to, you know, when he, he was, he was a, um, uh, you know, in training as a, as a surgeon. And he was, he was noticing that in this instance, these group of doctors were not really paying attention. They were on, they were kind of doing surgery on autopilot and, and things were not going well. And, and he was noticing because he was, you know, he was a resident. And um, so it's, so it's so much of um, so much of this thing we call mindfulness practice is this shift from autopilot to paying attention, being, being open. And again, this is in a way uh, a core practice of uh, not being, not being an expert is, is like being, getting off of autopilot. It can think of, it, it can be applied to just, just about any situation gone wrong where there's, where there's a leader. If uh, I think that's where, if we get away from um, realizing that people have inherent wisdom and even when you are the leader if we're not stopping to to listen to pay attention to take in consideration the um sentiment and experience of others because it's not always about like the technically right or wrong thing yeah and and again the having the courage to even wonder um what 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 am i missing uh what are my blind spots um you know I, I mentioned last night, you know, in my group, I, I'm talking about the the hero's journey, and a woman raised her hand and said, "You know, this feels this feels very masculine to me. Uh, what about what about the what about women?" 
and 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 I had to stop and say, you know, clearly I have my own bias here. I'm in this this particular body, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm super curious. Like, you know, maybe maybe there's a maybe this model uh, works, but maybe there's a whole whole nother model that um, that is more relevant, more powerful, more in, integrate integral to um, uh, to others. And I'm, let's let's talk about that too. Mm-hmm. I was actually just to that point. I was um, I was doing some having some conversations around the hero's journey a few months ago, and and did some googling around. Um, and there are people who have spent some energy defining a heroine's journey. And if I recall, the the difference if, um, was around. I think there was a really um, a strong emphasis on on healing mm-hmm. in the journey versus yeah. teaching, right. and uh, and something to to go back to for sure. Yes, because um, there's there's got to be value there. Um, your seventh practice is keep making it simpler. Mm-hmm. Um. How can we make things simpler, Mark? <laughs> um, we, that's the inclusive we. Yes. Well, what's interesting that, you know, um, I, in framing these practices, um, you know, I call the first, the first several practices are about kind of investigate. The next set of practices are around connecting. And this last practice, this last practice I've put under the, heading of integrate. Uh, so we're coming back, coming full circle back to integrity and integrate. Yeah. So in some way that, you know, that's it, you know, the way, the way to make things simple is to find uh, is instead of everything being separate is to somehow drive everything into, into one thing. And, um, you know, and in some way, uh, there's different different ways to think of that. Um, one that I talk about is by keep coming back to what's what's most important, right? What's what's most important, and um, it's easy it's easy to um, you know to think that there's ten ten or twenty things that are important, and and that and that may be, but like okay, like right now, what's what's what has to be where do we want to put our, our energy and our focus now today in this, in this part of my life? Uh, what, what am I choosing? What am I defining as, as, uh, the most important thing right, right now? Um, the other way that I, um, you know, and I think, I think in a way, this is the gift of, uh, gift, the teaching of mindfulness practice and, and even, you know, what what I love about the what I love about the language of the the hero's journey is just just that phrase right journey one one to see that we're that life that our life is a journey and that we're on that we're on that we are on a path and two that we are by by uh, framing it as the hero's journey it kind of highlights a sense of how much our lives matter, how much our choices matter, how much our experiences experience matter. I think that's such a strong point. I was just at a, 
uh, I go to a writing group once, once a month and I had lapsed for a while and have returned to it the last couple of months. And I brought a story and, uh, and it was a story from when I was, uh, was in my late teens and I read it and, and, uh, and then we had a conversation afterwards about, um, you know, does sharing these stories matter? Um, like what difference does it make? And, and it came around to, you know, the current culture, it's in, in the current culture, it's easy to feel like you're not different enough or marginalized enough or, or, um, you know, somehow enough again, there's a real theme of not enough, um, or maybe famous enough is, is one of the things that, and we got into a big conversation about how important it is for each of us to share our stories because each story helps the next person share the story and, and, and not be keeping them sort of in the dark away from where they can help the next 18 year old who went through something similar. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was a mindset shift on in between, well, what does that story mean to me anymore? It doesn't really mean much. Totally. Totally. I think, um, but it's meaningful out there. Yeah. I think this is, uh, uh, you know, when I talk about um, the value of community, so much of it is, is uh, hearing our own and each other's stories and sharing stories and learning from story. Um, There's also, it also uh, came up for me, you know, there's also this, you know, and coming back to this practice about uh, keep making it simpler. um, I'm reminded of, uh, you know, in the early days of when I was just creating um, my last organization, the, um, you know, and 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 that can be a really chaotic and hectic time when you're built, you know, creating, taking an idea and making it into a company. And uh, at the time, I think, you know, we just I had a handful of employees, and and we were doing, we were kind of doing a lot of experimenting and testing. And and um, my uh, my assistant came up to me, and and was I could see was really stressed, and he said, Mark. I feel like we're, I'm just, you know, juggling, I'm, we're, I'm juggling so many balls and I'm afraid, you know, I'm going to drop one and, and I'm, I'm not sure what I should do. And I, uh, I looked at him and said, let's change the metaphor. Uh, how would it feel of instead of juggling balls, if you were planting a lot of seeds and, and, and just that, like, so just changing this story. You know, because when we're juggling balls, like life is hectic and things are going to fall and break. And, um, but we can take, we can do the same activity and re reimagine it, tell the story of planting seeds. Then like, oh, let's, I'm planting a lot of seeds and I've got to take care of these things and things are going to grow and some things may not grow and I'll water. So there's more, it feels like more of a, connected and healing story. So I think in part, um, part of keep making it simpler is to notice what story you are telling about your life and your, and yourself. 
um, even, you know, and, and that we, and again, this, it's not like this is completely in control in, in our own control and it's not some, you know, kind of mind trick, but, but it is some, it is, you know, it is. We, it's a Jedi mind trick, Mark. <laughs> it's a Jedi mind trick. Yes. And, but it's seeing that we are always doing some, some mind trick and most of the time it doesn't, or a lot of the time, maybe it doesn't serve us well. Right. So whether it's the story of um, juggling a lot of balls or the story of, you know, Oh, I'm going, I'm going to have a horrendous day today or the story of um, it's not enough or I don't too much to do and not enough time. Like, okay. And, and, you know, and again, there may be some, I'm not at all um, taking away. F- In fact, I'm I'm talking about the power of these stories and the power of um, of the stories that we uh, can tell ourselves. And you know, and part of that is um, how we relate to um, pain, how we relate to difficulty, how we relate to things not going well. Um, it's not about ignoring those or pretending or, um, but, but again, this, this kind of coming back to uh, noticing, noticing stories and the power of our stories. I think it's helpful to think of it in terms of there's always a story there. The default story tends to suck. Yeah. yeah right. Well, like it tends to, to run to the negative that, that default know, mode network or it can. Yeah, I'm in, you know, I'm, um, I'm in transition in my life right now, you know, uh, and we always are in transition, everyone, but, but, but there's transitions and then transitions, you know, so I, I went from, you know, for many years, I was um, building and CEO of of an organization. And I'm not in that role. And I, I can feel that I'm, I'm, uh, on, on some journey to something else, which hasn't, hasn't um, emerged completely yet. And, um, and, and people want, often ask me, well, how, how are things going on this journey? And, and I could very easily paint a, um, a picture of great success about how things are going. And I could also paint a picture of, uh, of horrible failure you know, that there's, there's a lot of things that are, uh, that have not gone how I wanted them to, or things that I thought were going to emerge and didn't. And I also, you know, suffer from, uh, as many of us do, I, I have very high expectations of myself. And, um, and uh, so, so it's interesting. Uh, and I think, and I actually think it's a valuable exercise to to see our lives through the lens of success and to see our lives through the lens of failure and, and to see that neither of those stories are quite, quite it, that there's something, something else happening here. That sounds it. And that sounds more like it's closer to the truth, a more integrated, even way to look, to look at things. Yeah. Well, that, again, you know, it's what I like about, uh, the journey, right? The journey, and that, and that all these things, all these things that I'm struggling with are. This is all grist for the, 
you know, things I can learn from and grow with and struggle with. And, you know, not that I want them, right? We don't want, we don't want this, you know, uh, we don't want that, that Cyclops to appear or that, you know, that next, uh, I love it too. You know, it's, um, it's like when we're hiking and we, we think we're we think we've reached the top of the mountain and then we get there and it's like oh there's another there's we're not even close you know there's another another mountain to climb so there's some sense of achievement and oh i've reached this particular plateau but there's, there's the journey the journey continues and uh would you before we wrap up um what what is the journey now is the journey is it around the book? Is it around the message? What, what's shaping up if it's not building up and becoming CEO of another company? Well, I know that um, I love working with people one-on-one, doing uh, one-on-one coaching. I love doing trainings and, and talks. Um, I love both the... the um, the business world, the world of accomplishment and growing things and getting things done. And I, and I feel really honored that I get to bring in the contemplative piece, the mindfulness piece. Um, so I, I know those are, those are, those are my um, activities. Um, and I love writing. I'm also, I'm, I'm working on the next book. Um, and, um, but I also feel like I, I, there, there's some, I, I haven't quite found, who, well, who are the people that I most want to play with? Uh, and, and what form might this, might this take? You know, will I, will I join some other organization? Will I create, am I creating, am I creating something? So I'm, 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 I'm not forcing it. Um, in fact, I, I had a really great, uh, phone conversation that a, a surprising phone conversation a few months ago with John Kabat-Zinn in which um, uh, he was, he was really encouraging me to be patient and see what, what was going to uh, emerge and unfold in this, this part of my life. Well, it's exciting. And, uh, and, for anyone who wants to uh, to buy that, pick up a copy of the book Seven Practices of a Mindful Leader," I will put links uh, in the show notes for this and and links back to your website. But for the people who are able just to listen now, Mark, where's the best place for people to find you online? My website is marklesser.net, and it's M-A-R-C-L-E-S-S-E-R.net. Well, I look forward to uh, to keeping tabs on you, and and thank you very, very much for joining me and sharing your your insights and and uh, a piece of yourself here today uh, on the podcast. Thank you, Laura. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Free Your Inner Guru. I know you have a lot of choice where you receive your inspiration and information. If today's episode resonated with you, I'd be grateful if you would take a few extra seconds for three quick things. First, if there's an idea or story that you know would make a difference in someone else's life, follow the link in the show notes back to our website where you can easily share it with them. Second, subscribe so that you can be part of the ongoing conversation on whatever app or website you're listening on. 
big conversations become the catalyst for meaningful change. If you happen to be listening on iTunes, please take a few moments to leave a rating and a review. The last thing I'll leave you with is that we are building a community of conscious leaders to engage in big conversations and support the Free Your Inner Guru podcast. To find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash free your inner guru or support.freeyourinnerguru.com. Until next time, I'm Laura Tucker signing off for Free Your Inner Guru.